I just read the Wikipedia page about objectivity. It's impossible to get to where you want to be, so I went. Hello, and welcome to Good Bat Show. I'm Andy. And I'm Matt. On this show, we discuss whether something can possibly be objectively good or objectively bad. Or just good or bad, because I don't even know what objective means. Apparently. Should we consult the Wikipedia page on what objective actually means? That's what our listeners would like you to do, so let's do it on air. I, maybe, someone tweeted at me and said I don't understand what it is, which maybe annoyed me, maybe didn't annoy me. Yeah, let we'll us see. Be, you have power over Matt listeners. All you need to do is send one tweet implying something about him, and he will put it on the show. His, Let's be very clear. His defense of himself. I'm not used to this. Andy is the one who is wrong. I'm supposed to be right all the time. That's the character <sighs> Feels that good. I've constructed, and it hurts my feelings. I'm very weak, uh, weak, weak skinned. Thin skinned? That's probably the term. I don't know what words mean, Andy. That's my problem. Skin, objectively good. <laughs> we, have, we have an extremely, this is for, for super fans of the show. We have a very long Twitter argument that we had that I think kind of spawned in some ways the idea for this, for this show. We should say, Twitter argument means that that's how Matt and I have fun. You know, we had a good time discussing the merits back and forth of different things on the Twitter internets for a while. We weren't mad at each other. And we annoyed all of the internet. We annoyed the internet together. We lost some followers that day. But you know what? That's all right. Because if they're not into what we're doing, then whatever. Why are they following us follow if they don't else. like our great arguments or really, really stupid bad arguments? Stupid bad arguments. Anyway, during this Twitter back and forth, we were talking about objectivity and subjectivity and art and culture and all these things. And... Basically, I was trying to get you to admit that 90 minutes of a totally blank screen with no audio would constitute a bad movie. And this is something you would not admit to me. And I would admit that we can settle on this being objective because that's not, uh, these are subject to our biases and interpretations and feelings. We'll never get to this. We can only get close to agreeing that something is bad or good. That's all we can really do, Andy. So, nope, I wouldn't agree to you on that. So, are you ready to, to defend that position on air? That 90 minutes of silence and no visual things to look at is not a bad movie? Yes, I'm willing to defend myself, Andy. I'm ready okay, to go. Okay, so here's where we'll start. What part of that is even a movie? I mean, we agreed last week that things had to be good or bad relative to a thing they were, right? Like, bread couldn't be an automobile, we said. Yes. So, if bread can't be an automobile, uh, this, I would argue, is like, maybe it's interesting wallpaper. Uh, maybe it's even good art, uh, but what part of that is a movie? So really, and this is where, frankly, I expected more pushback last week about what bread even is. Mm -hmm. uh, like, the, in order to define something as good or bad, the hard part is not figuring out if it satisfies some rubric. The hard part sure. is figuring out, like, what is the rubric? So really, the question is 90 minutes of silence and a blank screen, a bad movie. The, the, the rubric here is, is what is a movie? Well, we're going to have to dig into that. We're going to have to figure out what is indeed a movie. Because even if it's, it doesn't have any pictures, I mean, maybe you could argue that blackness is a picture. And even if it doesn't have any sound, uh, well, I mean, what is no sound? Just like, do you need to see like a digital wave? There's storm? no audio track on the movie. I mean, there's no sound. There's, a, there's an audio track, but it's blank? Or there's literally no audio track? I mean, for, for practical purposes, let's say there's literally no audio track. Okay. We're going to do a thought whether, experiment. There, whether there's some file format that has to have an audio track, therefore it's a blank one. I don't care yep. about that. I just mean like there is nothing to listen to. Okay, we're going to do a thought experiment for a second. I, I, I think that 90 minutes of blackness with no sound is a movie. You think that it is not. If we were to add like a quarter of a second of white and then like a sharp, quick sound right in the middle of it, is that now a movie? 
Now, see, that's a much more interesting question to me. But that, at that point, I would find it more difficult, though probably still not impossible to argue, that's still not objectively a bad movie. Like, sure, that, that I'm more likely to call a movie. And in fact, I'll, I'll call this a movie, too, for the purposes of this podcast, this blank screen with no sound. But it's bad at being a movie. Because movies are not just anything anybody happened to put on a screen and make sound with. Movies mm-hmm. are a thing that we make for a reason. And the reasons are varied. But a blank screen with no sound, I would argue, satisfies none of those reasons. And in none of the contexts in which we watch movies, would that even work? Could you even get people to watch the entire thing? Uh, you like, might be able to. People are really into artsy stuff. Who knows, Andy? I'm saying a movie could be the experience of like staring at a thing for a period of time. That could be a movie. Why not? <laughs> because words have meanings. That's why not. <laughs> because if we're going to study film, and we're going to make films as a culture... We need some kind of shared understanding around what we're trying to accomplish. I would argue, on the basest level, a movie is something that is trying to evoke some kind of feeling, some kind of thought, any kind of like physical brain activity in a person that you normally can't achieve in your day-to-day life. So you're saying that staring at a blank screen is not uh, achieving... Uh, a feeling you can stare at a blank anything you can stare at a blank wall staring at a blank screen is basically staring at a blank wall in movie theater because it's just a projector screen which is basically a wall painted white like you can stare at a blank thing whenever you want there's no reason that has to be a movie okay so it's a bad movie so now we turn on the projector screen at least it is a movie but you just think it's a bad movie my only point is going to be that uh it's hard to say that about everybody's experience about the movie what percentage of people have to say it's a bad movie in order for it to by your definition, be an objectively bad movie. Well, so here's the thing. I'm going to make the argument throughout the course of this show that it doesn't really matter how many people like or dislike something. You did say that last episode. You said you're not going to make pop music, which is basically what we're saying, right? Yeah, I think sometimes people liking something is an indicator that there is something there and that it's worth thinking about and exploring. Uh, And sometimes there's a very reasonable explanation why people liking something is not at all tied to the goodness of that thing whatsoever. Um, a basic example, which we could do a whole episode about, is fast food. Uh, mm-hmm. People like fast food because it's full of salt and sugar, because biologically, we really had a hard time finding salt and sugar in the wild. And so if you found something that had salt and sugar in it, you should really overeat it, because that's a thing that, you know, we evolved basically to, to desire, because it's something our bodies need. It's hard to come by in nature. Vegetables are plentiful, so we didn't evolve to really love and really overeat on vegetables, because there's always just grass and leaves around. We can eat them whenever we want. So fast food... You can look at it and say, everyone eats McDonald's. A bazillion, million, jillion people served. Is this not the best food in the world? And you can say, no, it's clearly not. Here is this biological reason why people would possibly eat this food, overeat this food, even when it's not good in any way. That is fair. So I'm, I'm basically saying that not only are, I think it basically doesn't matter, right? Like if you, if some, if some, you know, avant-garde filmmaker releases this movie next summer, first of yes. all, we should get some sort of grant for predicting that. <laughs> uh, second of all i would if that became something that all the hipsters in uh in in the world went and saw and said was great and and beautiful um i would still would not concede that it was a good movie it doesn't matter how people say it's good i just don't think it's doing what we think a movie should do and by we i mean collectively as a culture you think it needs to tell some sort of story in order to be a good movie not even that i think it has to make your brain do something. And this is, this is like, I'm being specific about like the chemistry because I think this is quantifiable. I don't think this is just like some hand wavy, funny thing. I think we don't really understand the brain that well. And hopefully in the future, we'll understand it better. And we can actually point to like, here, these things happened inside of this electrical muscle. 
that mm-hmm. made this thing valuable and we grew this new dendrite for this reason and that's why we do these experiences. But I think something has to happen in your brain and I'm, I'm going to also amend that that thing is probably something that you can't just get out of everyday life. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think that... The, uh, that seems rough though. What does that mean, everyday life? Lots of stuff happens in everyday life. You well, probably I mean, the reason, with probably the reason that you like a movie is because you're relating to it somehow, right? Because of your everyday life? Well, you're relating to it because of some aspect of your life. It's not, you don't watch a movie about somebody uh, getting in the shower and going, ooh, yeah, I also get in the shower. You watch a movie about yeah, somebody. Yeah, but you probably watch a love story and you're like, oh, that works for me because I also experience the emotion of love as opposed to I just sit in a cave all the time and now I come out and watch a movie and I get to experience the thing for the first time. I don't think it's quite that simple. No, it's not that it has to be totally alien to you, but like, yes, the feeling of love, right? That is not a thing that happens every single day to almost anybody. Right. And I don't want to have a whole other podcast about defining what the feeling of love is, because that's not our purview. But I think, I think one of the reasons that things like love uh, and fear and uh, excitement and thrill and adrenaline are so uh, valuable and so kind of important in our world is because they are relatively rare. Like, by definition, if you were on a constant adrenaline rush, you would probably die pretty soon because uh, that's not good for your body. So that's the thing that your body does when it feels it's in danger and it has to, you know, get to safety or something. Uh, I think love is similar. I think all these emotions, it's not that they're completely alien. It's that I don't always get to feel that, uh, you know, and I, I usually can't just invoke it at will, right? Um, here's, here's a dumb example. Last night, I was watching Star Trek, uh, and, and I cried at a Star Trek episode, which yep. I probably haven't, like, cried at anything happened in my real life in, in many, many years. It's not that crying is totally alien to me or that the idea in this particular episode uh, Jordy and Ensign Rowe are lost in a transporter accident. And for the entire course of the episode, all of their friends think they're dead. And so we're watching their friends cope with the loss of Jordy and Ensign Rowe, uh, which turns out they're not dead. And then everything's happy. Everyone claps, you know, Star Trek TV series. But, uh, you know, that's a feeling that I, I, I know what it's like to lose people. I know what it's like to be sad. I know what it's like to love somebody. I, this is, these things are not alien to me, but I don't get to just, you know, flick my, flick my wrist and have that feeling. And so I think a big part of what TV and movies uh, and a lot of music are is like, I want that feeling. Please give it to me now. I've commodified it. Uh, And so movies, you know, I think it's actually a very different experience the first time you watch them versus the subsequent times you watch them. Mm -hmm. The first time, I think it's kind of like a journey. You don't really know what's going to happen, but you're going in open-minded and you're going to kind of feel something and think about something maybe you haven't felt or thought about in a while. And then I think people that rewatch movies rewatch it very directly because there's something in there that they want to feel or think about again. Um, and so that's, I mean, I'm describing what I think great movies do. Yeah. And my only point is to say that I don't think you can make the argument that any blank screen, no sound is going to do anything. I mean, if you have any reaction to it, it's not going to be to the movie. It's going to be to the world around it. Like maybe you're in a really interesting theater and you think about the architecture. Maybe you're watching it on your iPhone on a plane and you start to think about how cool airplanes are, but nothing about that is the movie. Like maybe it's so boring and so nothing that you realize the rest of the world around it. And we'll get to 433 in another episode, but that's not the movie doing that because you could stare at your hand and do that. I agree with that. I think that's fair. The only problem is the, the saying that, uh, well, I guess the problem is like where we, where the, we draw the line on movie and then where we draw the line between good and bad. Cause I think, I think it's fair to say that great movies are probably going to do something like that. Movies that I enjoy are probably going to evoke some sort of feeling, do the things that you said. At least, at least in my opinion, that's what they're going to do. But I have a hard time saying that that's true for every single human being on the entire planet. 
um, and that it's not possible to do that in in a, in a boring movie in a lesser way. So right. So we'll get at some point in the future to trying to talk about actual films that are objectively good, hopefully. Yeah. But at this point, I'm not even going to go that far. I'm just going to say that I don't care what people's reactions are. All I care is that a movie that's anywhere near good has to do something to people. They have to have some reaction. And if it's dramatically different and some people hate it and some people love it or some people are you know, terrified by it and some people make them feel warm and comfortable, uh, it's not that we all have to have the same reaction because we're all coming from different contexts, of course. It's that if it doesn't do anything, then what is it? Can you even call that a movie? And I, I would argue, no, you can't. Mm, I still want to know what the line is between movie and not movie, though. Well, I don't think that line is so important to define because, frankly, this should be a softball. <laughs> like, there's no, <laughs> there's no actual interesting conversation to have here about what this blank movie does. This is just me trying to express to you that I think we can agree. I mean, I, I could have chosen a rock and said, Matt, can we agree a rock is a bad movie? And you'd be like, sure, it's a rock. It's not even a movie. Maybe you wouldn't be like that. But I'm trying to start with something that like barely resembles the thing that is a movie. And then the question is, okay, now we do put that white flash on the screen 45 minutes in. All right, now 20 minutes into the movie, the screen fades to slightly green. Uh, I'm still going to argue those are bad movies. And the reason I'm going to argue that is because it's so close in proximity to what we've already agreed is barely even a movie, if at all. But we can't even get there, apparently, because you're, <laughs> you're, you're focused on this line, I guess, of what is a movie, what's not a movie. Well, I'm just trying to be difficult. I actually, I think you're right. I think there is, uh, I think that uh, a blank screen without sound just isn't a useful definition of movie. And so that's fine by me. Like, I think uh, some sort of element of story, some sort of invoking a feeling makes for at least a useful definition of the word. And that's a pretty good reason to use it. So that I can agree about. So it's over then. We settled movies. We settled, we settled the 90-minute no, silent screen. No, we settled, we settled that a 90-minute silent screen isn't a great definition of a movie. It might be a pretty good performance piece. It could be, especially given the context of our other performance pieces. But if we want to define what a movie is, eh, it's not a great example to use as a definition of a movie, especially if it's not actually anything. I think well, there's a sliding clear, scale. I'm not trying to define what anything is. I'm just saying... This is a bad movie. 90 minutes well, of think, silence and no audio. I think, like, in terms of as objective as one can get. Like, I, again, like I've said forever, I don't think we can objectively define anything as good or bad according to one's taste. But I do think that the definition of something and trying to define something by the definition is somewhat useful. And to decide on what something is collectively is a pretty useful way to make something. So that, we're agreeing, is useful. So you won't concede that it's bad. You'll just concede it's not a movie, really. I'll concede that uh, it's, it's a pretty poor definition of a movie. I'm counting that as a win. Eh, I'm not. Are you on the first one? <laughs> well, you, you wouldn't count it as a win, Matt. You would count it as a loss because I'm counting it as a win. That's no, how no, this no. works. You don't get to count it as a win. I'm counting it as a win because I said so. Uh, subjectivity, taste, things like that. I agree with me. This is, I just read the Wikipedia page about so objectivity. Difficult. It's impossible to get to where you want to be, so I went. No, I, it's, here's the thing. I really don't think it's impossible. Like, right, the definition is something that is objectively true outside of other people's biases and experiences. So you and I, would, you, you would certainly agree it's not that it doesn't exist, right? Like, you would think that science is objectively fact, right? Like, we've, we've like discovered a fact. I think a, a pretty good example would be math. Two plus two, objective truth, as close as to objective truth as we're going to get. So, That's Matt, what here's I think. the f- thing. Yeah. We invented math. I realize Math that. is not a thing. We didn't go out in the world and find it. It's a right. system of weird squiggles 
that we invented to describe things that we've observed over and over again to give us an abstract way to talk about ideas that are moving around. Yes. But it can be done over and over and over it is again. No more, it is no more true than a movie in any way. But it can be repeated over and over and over again by anybody who follows the rules and come to the same conclusion, which see, I don't think is true about calling this a good or bad movie. But, but here's the thing. Your, your own biases are, 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 are coming into play here to try and point to this as objective. Like, you're saying that something gets repeatable over and over and over again. That must be true. Yes. Why? Because that's how the scientific method works. That's how we judge but anything. why is the scientific... We'll have the episode about scientific method at some point, too. Okay. That's another one. But there's no greater reason that should be true than any other worldview or perspective should be true. Like, that's all human invention. I agree with that, but that's my only sense of up and down. I got nothing else. Yeah, well, I'm taking that away from you. I'm saying that is exactly as unfounded as the idea that 90 minutes with no audio is a bad movie. Or a well, good now movie. we can't agree about anything. I thought we almost got somewhere, and now you took away everything I have. I don't I'm, even know I'm, that you're Andy. I don't even know whether they're speaking the right where, language. Here's where we can agree, Matt. Here's where we can agree. I'm willing to admit that the things that I believe in are still structures that are invented by man, humans, mm -hmm. uh, and that there is a reason why I believe in them and that that reason is something I can explain and sort of sort out. And you seem only willing to do that for the things that you're externally validated by scientifically and not willing to do that for anything else. Yes, I do like the idea of being validated by science. That helps a lot to getting towards any sort of objectivity. And so what is different about being validated by science versus being validated by culture? Uh, one of those things you can test and repeat and find to be true again and again and again. You can travel and one this you whole cannot. world, Matt. You can go from country to country yes. and meet people of all different backgrounds, all different ages. And first of all, I'd argue that almost all of them are going to eat bread. And then I'd mm -hmm. also argue that every single one of them will agree that this is a shitty movie. How many times do you have to repeat that before that's as scientific to you as something of a scientific method? Well, the difference is 100% versus zero versus like... Oh, see, but it's not 100%. 0.1% disagree. It's not 100%. That's the thing. Like, science is not completely all-encompassing. Like, for example, uh, the theory of relativity. You're yes. familiar with it. Yes. It's in many ways completely wrong. Totally false. You can objectively prove that it makes no sense, and here's a million reasons why it doesn't work. Now, why do we still have it? Why is it such an important pillar in the history of scientific thinking? Because that led us to lots of other things. It was an important tool for us to use to understand ourselves, ultimately, because, again, we invented all these systems. It was an important tool for us to understand and talk about something that moved us along the line. So, Oh, yeah, I agree that there are a lot of things in science where it kind of starts with a crazy idea. We need to test that. Maybe many things about it are untrue. But it does, get us the next, it does get us to some sort of conclusion that points us to a truth that can be continued and tested and further refined. But that's the thing. Where is truth? Like, so the theory of relativity gets us to quantum mechanics or gets us to some next level order of math and science that is more true, I say in air quotes, in that there are less scenarios where we can say this is not hold up. Uh, yes. Do you think we're going to get there? We're going to get to the whole truth? We're going to get to the theory no. of unification? I don't think we're ever going to get... I don't think we're ever going to get 100% of the picture, but I think we keep chipping away and we get closer and closer and closer and closer. And we do that by making sure that these things can be tested and repeated and that they still continue to work. So you and value they that conversation. You value absolutely. that conversation when it's science. I do. But when I say, look at all these people that love eating bread and look at all these people that agree this is a bad movie, you mm -hmm. won't concede that that's worth the same weight, the same consideration that these other theories are, are given. But you're saying that they're the people's opinion. Like, we're using opinion, right, as a measure, but you're also saying that that doesn't matter. I'm saying that that is not causation. I'm saying that sometimes you can look at that as evidence. 
Like lots of people eat bread, not because they all thought about it really hard and decided this was good food, but because yeah. it just works. It fits in the system. Nobody's made this horrible movie because everyone already understands that it works and it would be, it would be a horrible movie and that no one should do it. Uh, so there are things that just naturally kind of fit. But if someone were to come along and say, I really love this movie, what I'm saying is you don't get to come along and say that this is a good movie because you yourself like it. You don't get to use your subjectivity to argue against the, the tide of what culture recognizes. So it's, it's not really a matter. And the other thing is that sometimes a whole mass of people, in the McDonald's example, yeah. uh, their behavior is not attributable to the good qualities of something or the bad qualities of something because there are other reasons in play. Like, well, at least that, that one we can maybe measure by health. Like, if, if we're going to get maybe the closest to an objectively good food is one that is good for you, healthy, keeps you alive for longer. That well, seems like something that we could come pretty close to agreeing about uh, as, as a unbiased truth. Well, this is something that, uh, at some point, you should throw me this boomerang, Matt. Uh, <laughs> you, should, you should try and get me to explain why I think humanity is good, right? Because your entire assumption we should have food that's healthy, why are we good? You know, we're, uh, we're a parasite on this whole planet. That's we're pretty draining subjective of its to resources. think that we are good. We're slowly, not even slowly, we're very quickly, in, over the course of the history of the planet, like destroying it and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Why do we deserve to, to continue? Mm. So maybe fast food is good because it's taking out the parasite. See, it all depends on your perspective. It does, which is not what objectivity is about. But anyway. <laughs> well, oh, man, it's difficult, Andy. Because yeah, it's fun, though. It's so I much fun. I know what that word means. So I do agree that the movie is a pretty, pretty bad definition of a movie. Just say it's uh, a bad I still movie. Don't all really I want you to understand, say is, Andy, that's a bad movie. I don't want to pay $10 and go I see really it. I really don't understand the definition, or I don't understand the measure that you're using to judge this by, other than a dictionary definition. If we're just agreeing that we're using the dictionary, dictionary definition to judge it by, I do have it up on my screen. It doesn't seem to match perfectly, so it's a bad definition of a movie. Well, I, again, I don't care that much about the definition. Here's what I'm saying. But I do care about the measure. What is the measure? I don't know that we've clarified the measure. I am saying that the whole reason we as a culture make movies is to invoke some kind of thought, feeling, brain activity that we want to feel. I'll, I'll even take Wait, out the wasn't idea the first movie day. or like the first idea of, of using motion to prove a point that like a horse does indeed lift all four feet off yeah, the ground but, at the same time? But dude, that like to say that's the first movie is a little bit of a misnomer because like movies as an art didn't exist. That was the first moving picture that ever happened to be captured. That's yeah. like saying like, wait a minute, it wasn't the first automobile, a bicycle? And it's like, well, yes, kind <laughs> of. But well, no, now because we it have, doesn't have a, an there's a place part. in our culture for this, right? There, it, almost everybody in the civilized world has some kind of screen. They watch some kind of movie. They buy it on some kind of store. They watch them on their phone. Uh, you know, it's, it's a thing that exists in our world that has real meaning. And yeah. yes, the history of it began with looking at a horse to try and settle a bet as to whether or not all four hooves left the ground at the same time. Uh, but does that have any real bearing on like the cultural relevance of what a movie is now? Are you saying you still haven't said the exact measure is the measure the cultural relevance? Re- yeah, is the measure the cultural relevance? I, again, I think cultural relevance is an indicator, not not a cause, not not a measure. It's not that like, being culturally relevant is the thing that makes you good. It's that oftentimes good things are culturally relevant. And the indicator here I'm saying is that a movie should make something happen in your brain that is abnormal, that would not happen if for not watching that movie. But what is the way to test that? I mean, we don't have the method yet. Maybe we can get out a bunch of, uh, you know, instruments and start measuring the exact 
electrical patterns and exact chemical releases in people's brains. I mean, we know we have documented things like serotonin and dopamine and adrenaline and all these chemicals that change the way your body feels and works. Uh, those are all quantifiable measures. So I'm saying that with enough knowledge, I think we could sit down and we collectively as humanity could sit down, uh, run enough experiments that we could actually say, here is what happens when you watch a good movie. Look, here is what happens. Here's what happens when you watch a bad movie. See how this resembles what happens when you're like mm-hmm. stuck waiting for a train and how that's not what we want movies to be uh, or whatever. I think we could get there eventually. Right now, all we have is this like sense of intuition and the sense of gut and the sense of understanding of what a, really, a movie should be. And I think that's what, I think it, honestly, that's in a perfect world what artists are. Artists are people that go out and say, here's the thing we don't, we haven't solved in the Matt McInerney sense yet, right? We mm-hmm. don't have a science. We don't have an exact method or whatever to figure this out. But I am still going to go and explore this space. And scientists, I think, often are like, well, that's pointless. We don't have a way to do that, so we're not even going to bother. And so artists are these people in our culture that go out and do this thing that otherwise wouldn't get done. And it's not that it's a practical thing that leads to our continued survival. It's not that it's a thing that's evolved in that sense, I don't think. Uh, but it's something that I think is really valuable. And if it wasn't valuable, we wouldn't keep making movies. Uh, I think it's just, that's the, best ex- that's the best excuse. And the reason we keep making them is because they make us feel, think, or, or you know, have some kind of reaction in our brain. And in no way can you say that a blank movie with no audio does any of that. I have no way to measure this, but my gut tells me that you're correct. So I can say that much, right? And I do think it's an invaluable endeavor. I do the same thing. I'm glad that we do it. I think in the same way that uh, a crazy idea that Einstein had led to a theory that was useful, not proven, not every single piece was proven to be exactly true, but it was useful to guess in the next step. I think that in the same way an artist can do for uh, creating things that are good. Um, if, let's say, at least in a subjective sense, like subjectively in that like humanity is valuable, right? Uh, I am interested in the future where, uh, let's say we actually believe we could get to a measure and then all we do is repeat the patterns in the brain that a good movie, in quotes, sets off. And then I want to know what you think of that. When we just keep poking the part of the brain that sets off the good movie button and what that means. Well, we'll or, have to get there. Or if all, what, if we, what if we can't even find, even then, when we think we have a measure, and it's all kinds of different patterns going off with the same good movie, in quotes. Well, what I, then? Well, again, this is a thing that is not defined yet, and maybe won't be for hundreds of years, but I would guess that part of the definition of what a good piece of art of any kind, movies being included, would do is that it's not necessarily 100% predictable or 100% reproducible. Like, it has to do something that has an element of chaos to it. Because otherwise, you become McDonald's, right? You become pop music. You become the thing that's just manufactured. Uh, And that's not good, as we kind of have talked about, as I think I almost got you to agree. Almost. At least as we seem to understand it. I mean, it's very difficult. I kind of, I'm I'm scientific method guy. I think things should be repeated in order to be true. And if we're saying that uh, pop music is objectively bad because, what's our reason again? Like, why? I feel that way, but is it because I'm just kind of an annoying hipster dude that uh, feels like he's special and he doesn't have to buy into the things that everybody else buys into? No, I'm not saying it's bad at all. I'm saying that uh, pop music has really no correlation with whether something's good music. Like, there's a million other factors that come into play that can make something popular that are unrelated mm-hmm. to its goodness. Okay, I agree with that. And I think that's a thing that is commonly misunderstood by people is that they're like, oh, this sold a lot of X, therefore it must be the best whatever. 50 million like, Elvis fans can't be wrong and other such things. Well, yeah, something like that. Um, so anyway, you've, you've 
you've kept on talking, but in there we could find the parts where you said that Andy, you're right. Andy, you're right. It's a bad movie. So I think we settled this and you can just, you'll edit in all the parts where you kept talking, even after you said that you agreed it was a bad movie, but we got there eventually. I think we settled something. I haven't agreed with you yet. Uh, I'll probably just take out all the parts where I said yes. I think you just refuse to have the second and first and second episode both be episodes where you, where you give me, where you give me an inch. That sounds about right. Except that I don't agree with you. If you were going to fight back on one of them, you should have picked bread. Bread, I think, is way easier to argue than, than a 90-minute silent blank screen.